it's my heart to just share with you a, a bit, and I want to bring my ministry gift to you. And those of you who are online, I want to just bring my ministry gift to you for a, a short period of time. We're talking about the call. And by the way, short, a short period of time is relative. <clears throat> my, my, my wife mentioned something to me a number of years ago when she was preaching in Kenya uh, with a very, very large women's conference. And she became, I think she got a little cold feet and thought perhaps, I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm not as ready or whatever she was thinking. She called. She had never called. Uh, when she was out, she'd never called, and so I thought it was very important. And I remember her saying, I want you to pray for me because I'm not so comfortable, I'm not so comfortable, and I, I said, you're going to do just fine. I felt that by the Holy Spirit, you're going to do just fine. But she told me the story, recounted the story to me because I had forgotten all about it. And I said to her, and as she recounted the story, that I said to her, no matter where you start in the Bible, Get to Jesus as fast as you can. And that's what I want to leave with you. I, 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 I'm at my best, I think, when I'm just sitting around the office talking to staff and just sharing with them what Jesus has shared with me. But what I want to say to you as a preface here, um, and we're talking about the call. I asked Pastor Tim, uh, you know, kind of which direction we're going in. He said, the call. And so I said, okay. And so, but I, I want to just say, uh, basically, to all of us, to let us do what Jesus wants us to do. That's what this all is about. This is about. And so, uh, that's the theme here. Get to Jesus as fast as you can. That, that way, you're going to be safe no matter what happens. Uh, when God calls a person, he has something for them to be and something for them to do. So he, it's not just God has called you because he's, he has this great need, this vacuum that he needs you to do something. No, firstly, God needs you to be something. And then from your being comes your doing. Where we have a lot of difficulty in the world is that too many of us as, as believers want to do so much before we allow God to make us. You remember the prodigal son when he left home, he was saying to his dad, give me, give me, give me. You know, he wanted, he wanted something. You know, but when he came back, he said, make me. And so God, if he had said, make me, before, he wouldn't have gone out and wasted his life like he did. So when God says, when he says something to you about being, and I'm talking about God calling you aside, calling you for a purpose, he says things, for example, like be merciful, be fruitful, be faithful, be faithful unto death. He says things like that because when God calls a person, then God inculcates something into that person so that that person will be able to weather the storms of life. We don't need to be those persons who quit because the going got tough. In the Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 10, uh, the writer of Hebrews says, by faith. Now, that is a, a wonderful uh, refrain or chorus, or as we hear now in the news, a, a, a mantra where you say, he says, by faith. And so it, when you are called by God, you begin to live by faith. That means that God does not uh, over talk a situation. 
those of us who have been around a little while, we know that God doesn't tell you a whole lot. He just doesn't do it. And those people who say, God said, God said, God said, you almost know that maybe God hasn't said. Because he doesn't talk a lot. He doesn't try to convince you. A friend of mine once said to me, he said, do you know, do you know why God doesn't talk a lot? I said, no. Why does He said, he doesn't have to convince himself. So by faith, Abraham, now listen, by faith, he started out believing God. And before I get to that, all of it, um, the book of Hebrews uh, chapter 11 verse 5 says, By faith Enoch was taken so, uh, away, he said, so he did not see death because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Then the writer says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe he is or he exists, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There are two things, believe that God is or he exists, and that he rewards people who diligently seek him. And so as, as one who is, desires to be called of God and you are called of God, and wants to go for God, you have to believe those two things, that God exists and he also exists uh, in a way that he is going to reward you. He's going to reward every one of us. So I thought that was great. Now he says here in uh, this uh, verse, uh, two verses down, by faith Abraham obeyed, wow, when he was called. So I want, it's not a period in the Bible there, but I want to put a period there. By faith, Abraham believed when he was called. I found that God doesn't call us to minor and mediocre things. He calls us to things that are so much greater than, than we are that, that it humbles us. And so he says, by faith, Abraham obeyed. So it takes faith to obey. And we have heard faith talked about in so many different ways in our lives. We have heard it talked about using faith to get something. And a lot of times it was to get money, position, or whatever, things. But it says, by faith, he obeyed. So you, have, you must obey God. And so by faith, obey. Because when God calls you and he shows you this big picture, and then and you feel really great, you're exhilarated by what God has called you to, and then when God stops talking, you're terrified. He called Abraham to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he, Abraham, went out not knowing where he was going. And that's what it looks like. We can tell you all the wonderful things about God, but see, we found out those wonderful things later. But we have not talked about how frightening it is when God calls you to something. He, so he went out not knowing where he was going by faith. He dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob. The heirs with him are the same promise, for he waited. <laughs> Very interesting. By faith, he obeyed, he went out, he waited. That's what you and I will have to do. I remember when I first, uh, actually, I was a backslider. I'm not proud of it. I grew up right and went wrong. 
I always tell young people when you're about 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, that's, a, that's the time the enemy always wants to take you astray. And he'll do it later if you allow, allow that too. But I, 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 went, I was errant. I was angry with God because he hadn't done something that I thought he should have done. I, you know, me being born a sinner, wanting to instruct God. Isn't that a trip? And so, but that's how I was at about 19 years old. And I went errant. And, and I remember coming back to the Lord. And uh, I would go into a church. And in those days, the charismatic renewal was quite uh, active. And, and it was a wonderful time with the Lord. I remember I'd go into church and people would prophesy. Had a word of knowledge for me. Had a prophetic word for me. And they would tell me, God is going to use you. And I thought it would be six months later, I'd be gone out. But it wasn't six months. I had to wait for it. Abraham waited. What was he waiting for? He was waiting on the promises of God to be revealed. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. He was waiting on a heavenly city. He saw something heavenly, not earthly. So I want to encourage all of us, uh, do not get swept up in the earthly. Don't get swept up into the glitter of the earth and what many, many Christians want to show you about what you can have in the earth. I don't want the earth. I want heaven. I, I, I'm of the earth. That's why I don't want earth. And so uh, the call of God also is a change, a great manifestation of change in your life. Now, in the scriptures, he did it a bit differently than, than we see it done today. The call of God changed Abram's name. Abram's name was exalted father to Abraham, and Abraham means father of a multitude, so God started to call him a father of a multitude, and I think sometimes that's why God has uh, allowed prophetic people and people who have that gifting to speak something into us, even from the pulpit or, or a friend or a neighbor that will speak something into us that will change our destiny from what we had and were before. And that's what the call of God is, is very serious. I, I, I'm right now, I know I'm being very serious. I wish I knew how not to be so serious. <laughs> I'm more like this friend of mine who said one time, he said, man, I've always been serious. I've always been serious. He said, even when I was a kid and we had a recess, I had serious fun. <laughs> I feel like that. Then he changed uh, uh, Abraham's wife's name from Sarai, princess, to Sarah, a mother of nations, a mother of multitudes. And this is what God does. He, he changes things in our lives, and sometimes it's frightening. When we think about call, God calling us, he calls out, if you listen to the reading that Sister Jadira read, uh, God calls us out of things. He calls us out of the midst of things. And in Abraham's uh, life, he called him from uh, family, from country, from family to his kindred, called him out and took him into a place where he was a stranger. So God does not play tiddlywinks. God is an amazing God, and his ways are not our ways. Our ways certainly are not his ways, and uh, our thoughts are not his thoughts. And so God brings us into a, a, a great change in our lives. And don't fear the change. The change is, a, is heavenly, and it's not earthly. And so I want us to embrace that. So he calls us, and when, we meet, when he says call, uh, it's a word called kara, 
or kara uh, in the Hebrew, and it means uh, to call out to. So God actually, by the Holy Spirit, calls out to us, and he calls us, and it means also to address someone by name. So God will call you, and you know it's you, even if he doesn't say whatever your name is. When he calls and he speaks to you inwardly, you know that God has called you. And he calls you also for, and he calls you forth, and he, call, he summons you. And this is very interesting in this definition. He calls you to be, to just be. And this is one of the most difficult things that we as believers uh, deal with, calls us to be, just be. I love the scripture when Jesus separated himself uh, from his disciples and he, he was praying and then he called disciples to be with him. Just called them to be with him. And of course he anointed them to preach the gospel. But he, he wanted them to be with him. And sometimes we do not value, we have this call and we want to go out as Pastor Stan used to say, we want to be super Christian and just go out and just ca cause the world to just be uh, dazzled with us. But then what God does is he gets all of that out of us. And when God gets all of that out of you, he's not angry with you, but God doesn't need anything of the earth. He doesn't need anything of the earth, as it were, uh, any of its mechanisms and machinations. He doesn't need any of that in, t in order to do his work. I was actually praying a few days, uh, maybe weeks ago, weeks ago, I was praying and I was maybe a couple of months but I was praying and I was asking God to give us more money because I have this strong sense that he, he wants to send us out more so into the world. And I was asking, and, went, and he said, I don't need money to do ministry. Now, this is the, I want you to get the proper context here because we're going to need your money. <laughs> but what I was doing was I, was I was saying, if you give me money, I'll do it. He says, no, I'll, I can do it. But God gives us money to give us a part. And sure, uh, airline tickets cost money, and food costs money, and so we need that. But, but really, when you really think about it, the Lord Jesus Christ fed a multitude, 5,000 men, not counting women and children. We guesstimate 20,000 or more people. He called, he fed them, what, two fish and five loaves. And so what God was saying to me is, I'm a, a, mir a miracle-working God, and I can handle that. So you have to know that God is a miracle-working God, and, and he is going to work miracles in your life. He's going to work them in your life. He's going to work them for you. He's going to work them through you. That's what God is doing. He's an amazing God. Um, I, I've got several examples here. Abraham is a is an amazing example. We could talk about Abraham all night, but I want to give you a, the example of Samuel. I, I was looking, I thought, did Pastor Tim see my notes? Uh, no, he didn't see my notes. Uh, I want to read a little bit to you about from Samuel. First Samuel chapter 3. I've got 21 verses, and I'll just read them if you don't mind. I'll read them as, as, as many as I can, and I'll read them somewhat fast. But I want you to look at this uh, young, young boy. He is, his mother... Uh, was barren and wanted a child, and she said if, if God would give her a child, she would loan this child to the Lord. And many of you have no idea your parents may have loaned you to the Lord also. Uh, I know my mother did that with me. She told me that when, I, when she was pregnant with me that God was using her in miraculous ways, and then I was born. 
just sometimes you wonder, you know, why your life has taken such a particular course. And it was like God is in charge. It's not like God just manipulates. He is not a manipulator. But God is the only one who has the authority and the right to choose. See, if God chose to send everybody on the planet to hell, he would be righteous. And so we cannot, just because God predestinated this one and that one and that one and that one, does not mean that God is unrighteous. No, God is righteous in whatever he does because we were all rotten. We had no good in us because of, of Adam's sin. And so when God chose you, he chose you out of his benevolence. He chose you out of his love. He chose you out of his righteousness and, and, and his sense of justice. He just chose you. And sometimes we look at it as, as uh, believers and, and as earthly people. We look at God's call as, oh, God saw this in you. I don't think that's right. You know, it's not God. Oh, God saw this talent or this ability. What? Yes, thank you. Whoever that you were that said he gave it to you. Yeah, that's right. Whoever you are. Yeah, that's what he did. God did those things for you, not because you had earned them and not because you deserved them. Uh, you always hear this when you turn on your television, some Hollywood starlet or star saying, oh, you deserve it. You deserve it. No, we did not deserve it. We deserve death. But God gave us life, and he did it righteously. And those people who are going to hell who rejected God, then, then God also uh, uh, is going to allow them to go where they have decided they want to go. At the same time, we have to understand the message and, and give the message out, knowing that we have been called unto God out of things for something special. And it says here in, in 1 Samuel 3.1, now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. I, I was telling you that Hannah, uh, his, his mom, uh, loaned him to the Lord. She gave him to the Lord. And I think his dad was Elkanah, right? Elkanah. And uh, Elkanah was, uh, he loved Hannah so much. He said, Hannah, you know, why you want a child? You know, am I not better to you than ten sons? And, and so he was saying, I, girl, I, I'm giving you everything I got. You know, but she wanted a boy. And uh, I would say that desire came from the Lord. Listen, she says. And uh, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. I would offer to you today that there's a lot of preaching, but the word of God is rare. So I believe that you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And I don't want these to just be words coming through from, uh, uh, one ear and out the other. I want you to understand that you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. This is an important hour. I thought it was going to be my generation that came in. And I've been, and since I saw a lot of us were a little slack, you know, and uh, there were not, I said, okay, God, I, maybe it's the next generation. Let me live to be with them. That's been my prayer. Let me live to be with them. I want to be with them. And, and so I'm saying to you that, that you have come to the kingdom as Esther did for such a time as this. Let's read, read the scripture. And it came to pass at that time Eli was lying down in his place. And when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. And before, the, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was. And while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel. Now, this is amazing, isn't it? While what he was just doing, a natural thing. And sometimes we think we have to be, be put ourselves in a place where we're doing something so great and all of that, and then God will call us. No, he was just lying down. I, I think that's very important, just lying down. As, as, uh, as your brother Nathan said to, 
uh, to us earlier. There was a little boy, he was speaking of me, looking out the back door into the west and seeing the sun setting and saw the sun setting and was somehow made aware that I was going to see the sun set one day, but it was not going to be the natural sun. Made me so aware that I've got something for you to do. He didn't tell me what the something was because he had to call me out of the something I was in, even though I was a little boy. I have something for you to do. And this is what he did. This boy was lying down. He answered. So he answered, here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. And he said, I did not call you. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. He answered, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not, now listen, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. He didn't know, but he heard something. He didn't know, but he, you don't have to be really smart. It was well said, Brother Nathan, that God called regular people. Sometimes we think so highly of ourselves. We think we're the sharpest knife in the drawing. Some of you may be uh, intellectually brilliant, but that's not what God needs. He needs somebody who will walk by faith and, and obey. God always calls you to obey. Now, obeying is not always easy because there are always obstacles to obedience. God never tells you to do something that you can do with just one little hop, skip, and a jump. He doesn't do that. He'll, call you, he'll, call, he'll, he'll ask you to, to leave something that you think is dear to your life and that you need it more than anything. He'll call, he'll call you to leave that thing. He'll separate you. He says, leave your family. What? I want, no, leave your family. Leave your country. And boy, if he would say to Americans, leave your country, we'd have a hissy. We'd know the devil had spoken to us. <laughs> it's just the way it is, isn't it? But listen here. <clears throat> so um, this boy was called before he really had clarity. And it says, and the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he rose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you did call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go, lie down, and it shall be if he calls you that you must say. Now, listen, he had to obey the leader over him. He, he could not bypass the leader over him, Eli, even though Eli was a mess. He allowed his sons to do whatever they wanted to do because they were his sons. I always believe in disciplining our children. He, made, he, made, he, he did not make them obey. And so, but Eli says, he says, so you are to say these words. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. So obedience of Samuel launched him into a great ministry that, was, that is still talked about today through us. That's huge for me. Uh, and so uh, let me just sort of skip over this. Oh, let me just summarize it very quickly. And then the Lord spoke to him and told him what he was going to do about Eli and how he was going to judge Eli. And then Samuel didn't want to tell Eli those things that were going to befall him because Eli had not disciplined his children and allowed them to, to just really misrepresent God. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision, verse 15 says. Then Eli called Samuel, 
Samuel and says, Samuel, my son, he answered, here I am. He says, what is the word God spoke to you? Please do not hide it. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things he said to you. And then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, Eli, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good. So God was going to take the priesthood from Eli's family and never again have anybody from Eli's family speaking before him. This is all serious. And then the Lord revealed himself to Samuel. This is so amazing. So this is what I believe is on the horizon for each of you here. God is going to reveal himself to you in a deeper way than you know him presently. Now, you must be in the position to receive. I find that so many believers are like I was as a little boy, and I've told you the story, and so I'll just get, skip over it a little bit. Um, my dad didn't want us to be uh, worldly, and so what dad did was he kept us close to the church, uh, always having prayer home, prayer in the house and, and worship in the house. That's how we grew up. And uh, he didn't want us to play, get into athletics because a lot of the boys who were in athletics in those days were kind of world, were very worldly, you know. And some of them are today. But we've, we figured out how to work that. So dad would give us those little rubber balls used to get from J.C. Penney's. And we could play rubber ball, but we could not play. He didn't want us to have hard ball or soft ball. And uh, so when finally he felt like, well, I don't think this will send him to hell. Or, you know, <laughs> you know he's a Pentecostal preacher. You know what that means. And so... Dad uh, uh, let us play baseball, and, and I wanted to catch the baseball so badly that every time it would come near me, I would reach out, and I would bat it away. And I would bat it away. And every time I wanted to, I wanted to impress my cousins and my uncles around me, and I, but I kept batting the ball away. And I heard a voice from one of my uncles said, let it come to you, DG. Let it come to you. It's amazing how those little average things that happen to you in your life can speak volumes to you later on. And so I remember the ball coming, and it was all I could do to let that ball come into that glove. And once I caught it, I threw it back. I was so excited. And it was all I could do to let that ball come into it. And that's how it is when God calls you. It's all you can do to just wait on God to fully develop you. It's, it takes everything in you. But what happened with me, after I learned to let it come to me, I could catch the ball any kind of way. I could catch it here there. I could catch it down on the, scoop it up before it got there. I knew how to then catch the ball. And this is what God wants to do, is train you how to receive his anointing and call and then to walk in it, not glorifying yourselves, but glorifying, glorifying Jesus Christ. Let me go to Paul as, I, as, as quickly. Uh, Paul, Paul is another example, great name. Now, remember, he changed uh, Abraham's name. He changed Sarah's name. But he also changed Paul. Paul was, uh, was uh, Saul of Tarsus, but he became Paul. Listen, in Acts 26, uh, Paul is recounting his story. And God will often uh, cause you and allow you to recall your story because your story and your testimony are intertwined. You want to guard your testimony, your story and your testimony. That's all one. In verse 1, he says, Then Agrippa said to Paul, You are permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things of which I am accused by the Jews, especially because you are expert in all our customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to hear me patiently. 
my manner of life from my youth, which was spent uh, from the beginning among my own nation at Jerusalem. All the Jews know. They know me from the first. Or they knew me, rather, from the first. If they were willing to testify that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. To this promise, our 12 tribes earnestly serving God night and day hope or expect to attain. For this hope, this expectation, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. Why should it be thought incredible to you that God raises the dead? Why? Why? Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints, listen, Paul, I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them, and I punished them often in every synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme, and being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. And you know what God says? I'll take him. You and I don't have to be the best people. When you look around at us, you know, and I always was told when I was a little child that I was a good boy. I was a good boy, and I, I believed it. <laughs> yes, I was like, why do I need to be saved? I've been good. <laughs> I believed the story, and it was only in my latter years that God began to talk to me about my life, and I was a good boy in men's eyes, but I was a sinner. God calls sinners. He saves sinners. And there's nobody under, under the sound of my voice, whether you're in this room, in this church, or you're online, there's nobody who has done something so bad, if you're alive, that God won't forgive you, and the blood of Jesus cannot cleanse you. There's nobody like that. God uses bad people. He makes them good people. And he uses them. So Paul recounts his, con his conversion. And I think that we should never let those things slip too far away from us. He says, while thus occupied, as I journeyed to Dam Damascus, he was occupied on destroying the church. He says, I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest. At midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me, saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, who are you, Lord? It's like saying, who are you, sir? Who are you, sir? And he said, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But he's speaking to him in his own language in Hebrew. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose. To make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. And this is what God wants you to do. He wants you to, to internalize all the truth that he has given to you, those things that you have seen, you experienced, and the things he will reveal to you. And he says, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. Listen, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive the forgiveness of sins 
and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. You can change the world or you can let the world change you. This is what he said to Paul. He says, I'm going to cause you, allow you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and the power of Satan to God. When I read this, I'm amazed because this is a messianic scripture. This is messianic. This is for Jesus. And now God, Jesus himself, is saying to Paul, I give you myself. We sing the song, the stanza, I give you Jesus. And this is what Jesus has done. Let me read a little bit more. Paul says in verse 19, then King Agrippa, I was not disobedient. This is again, we started out with Abraham obeying, and Paul says here, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. So what you have to do, whether you understand what God is saying or you don't understand what God is saying fully, don't be disobedient. It's a waste of time. He says, but declared first to those in Damascus. He wasn't disobedient. So he'd gone there to persecute, but he started preaching. In Damascus and then in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God and do works befitting repentance. For these reasons, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. So God will send you to people who won't like you. So if you are seeking to be popular, you can't finish the call. The call is the beginning but God wants to inculcate in you all that you need, and he will. he will. He will take you to places you would not go on your own, that you were too afraid to go. When I look at my life now, and I, don't, I, I am not preaching myself, but when I look at my life now and I, I remember that God gives me a memory, you know, some of you know me, you know, man, I'll forget, oh, wow, now what did I say, you know? But God gives me a, has given me a memory. Uh, and I, I look back in my life. Uh, we had to pray before dinner, and I, I, every day we had to pay, uh, use a Bible verse. And I just remember Jesus wept. And I would always say, Jesus wept, and I was ready to eat. And uh, Dad didn't say that's a disqualifier. But then the next scripture I learned was this. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I had no idea when I learned that scripture that that would be the course of my life. I never had any idea. There are things that God is doing right now in you that you have no idea is for the rest of your life. I'm saying to you, it's like walking it out. And then he says, Paul says, but he declared the gospel first in Damascus, Jerusalem, throughout the region of Judea, to the Gentiles, that they should turn to God and bring forth works befitting of repentance. For these reasons, the Jews sought to kill him, therefore having obtained, what, help from God. So your journey will be help from God. Your journey will be help from God. And he says, to this day I stand witness, witnessing both the small and great. Here's a persecutor. God saved a persecutor a man who cast his vote that Christians would be killed. And God called that man. Don't be surprised as you walk through life that God calls 
undesirables and deplorables. Don't be surprised. Never stick your nose in the air. Now listen, we, uh, I want you to remember that you are called of God to be before you're called of God to do. All the examples that I've used were of people who were called to be, which resulted in their doing. In Romans, Romans, Paul talks about it, and I just want to say what he says. I'll summarize it by saying he called that to all who are the beloved of God, it's Romans 1, chapter 1, 1 through 7, but all who are the beloved of God, called to be saints, called to be physically pure, morally blameless, uh, or even consecrated to God. He called you to be set apart ones. He called you not to be popular, but to be present always for God's use. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, he says that to the church of God, which is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified, set apart, where? In Christ Jesus, called to be sanctified ones, with all who in every place called on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, sanctified, holy, pure, hallowed, a special people. And then he says to all of us, those of us who are here, and we see the, the, these crazy things happening, our ex-prime minister of Japan, uh, prime minister Abe was murdered less than 24 hours ago. Murdered. Our land is filled with violence. This is what he says to us. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. So he says, God called you that you might be emblematic of the peace of God and that people see you, they know you've got the peace of God. I, I, and I, when our son Marcus was a little boy, about two years old, I'm guessing, that uh, he was, he, uh, w uh, my wife and I were going to go do Christmas shopping, and he was such a handful that we couldn't bring him Christmas shopping. So we left his sister and him at uh, her sister's house, and we came to Corpus Christi uh, about 44 years ago. And the restaurant where we were going to eat, I was going to take her out. We were going to do this great thing, have this wonderful meal in Corpus Christi. We were living in Kingsville, Texas. And we were there, and some robbers came in and, and shot in the air and told us all to get on the floor. I won't give you all the details of that, but uh, I remember when we finally, I got on the floor. I was, I was trying to get my wife down, too, but and finally got her down with me where I was already lying. And uh, when it was all over, there was a woman, a nurse, who said, Psalm 91. I said, are you okay, ma'am? Psalm 91. Psalm 91. What she was saying is that the peace of God was so in her heart that she was unmoved by what was going on. When you're the call of God, you have to come to a place where you are unmoved by what is happening around you. That's how we live. And we don't live according to man's machinations. I'm going to stop here. I have much more to say on the subject. But I would like to just bless you as we, as we close. Give the service back to Pastor Tim. Father, thank you so much for allowing me to share a few things about you. You said in your word, behold what man of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. 
there are so many aspects of being called, Lord God. We are called something. We're given names. We're, you, you call us uh, faithful. You speak it into us, and you've spoken faithfulness into us. You've spoken resilience into us. You've spoken goodness into us, mercy into us. And you said, I'm also speaking my name into you. You're children of God. And I pray that everyone under the sound of my voice will get this message through Jesus Christ. Amen.